Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann. Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann today, we're focusing on the water crisis. Day zero is imminent for Nelson Mandela Bay and surrounds. It is a problem which has been escalated to provincial and national level and also seen various civil society groups in the region drawn into the fight. Lavoyo Bongazi joins us today. Lavoyo is from the Madiba Bay Development Agency, but you're also the communications officer responsible for communicating with the media when it comes to the water crisis. You're representing a task team. Lavoyo, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Darren, and, and good, uh, well, good morning to everybody listening. And uh, yes, I'm at the Nelson Mandela Bay Joint Operations Centre. This is the nerve centre where we're dealing with the water crisis. And how exactly are you dealing with the water crisis? It's obviously very dire and very dangerous for the region. What plans are being taken at the moment? Can you fill us in, Lavoyo? Yes. Uh, so, so then it's a multi-pronged approach because this is a historical problem. Um, you know, the, the, the problems with water situation in Nelson Mandela Bay are not new. They're probably more than 10 years old. However, for various reasons, uh, certain things haven't happened. But what is happening right now is two-pronged. One, there are mitigation or water augmentation schemes that are going up. Those are infrastructure-led. But on one hand, which is probably the most important, is the realization that we as water users are need to have a better relationship and behavior and mindset towards how we perceive and use water. Um, so we help, we, we're communicating with residents and to you, the media, to really uh, get the point across that it is in our hands in terms of how we deal at, and use water wisely uh, and avoid the potential day zero. On one hand, the city is moving with steam, with the work, with, you know, with help from National uh, Department of Water and Sanitation, with boreholes that are that are going up in the city, um, that, you know, from some from Seaview side, the Neuchedacht scheme, which is connecting up and pumping water, uh, and the aim is to pump water from the east to the west, which is where the, the real problem is, which is affecting more than forty percent of citizens. We've also heard talk of communal taps being an option. Can you talk to us yeah. a little bit about that? Are they being put in place? I heard as many as 27 or 28 different sites being mooted, but I'm only aware of one being on stream at the moment. Yeah. So this is all part and parcel of planning for the worst-case scenario, Darren. Remember, um, we have a system of dams that are feeding into Nelson Mandela Bay. Um, one of them uh, is about to run out of water in about two weeks' time, which is the Churchill Dam. Uh, it's sitting at about 14 days in terms of water um, capacity left. The other dams that are feeding in, but also the east of the city is fed by the Nuerkadak Ski, which uh, gets water from the Harid Dam. And those low-lying areas that are in the east of the city uh, are unlikely to be affected by the situation of running out of water or dry taps. So in preparation for the affected areas, um, even though we are optimistic that we can push back day zero, we can uh, use water wisely and more, you know, uh, wisely and coming down to less than 50 liters per day. In the case that does not happen, um, the city is constructing uh, water collection points, which is which is a, a responsible thing to do. Uh, there are 26 sites. If you want to see them, go to baywatersavers.co.za. We have a list of sites that are going up. However, as, as, we st- as we speak now, one is in construction, which is on uh, William Moffat Expressway, just across the motor dealership. 
Lavoyo, in terms of the infrastructure, it's all very well, us knowing day zero is on the way in 14 days if we don't get rain, but we're also losing existing water supplies due to aging infrastructure. Any attention being paid to this? Yes. Um, in fact, Dan, as we speak, um, we have an, a, a ministerial intervention that was announced over the weekend. Uh, at 8.30 this morning, we are meeting with the, the representative of the minister to talk through the, in, the mitigation steps. Uh, the minister has said that, uh, you know, additional capacity in terms of engineers uh, and, and service providers that are in this space will be recruited with speed because we are in an, in an emergency. Uh, unfortunately, as I said, you know, the water crisis is, a, is, a, is an old issue. Uh, it, it is exacerbated by all the, you know, aging infrastructure. Uh, and, and that bulk infrastructure will take billions of rand in terms of investment. However, there is that work is in progress now, uh, and that is, in, you know, in, the intention is to deal with days zero, not materializing. But again, I need to stress this: you know, the, the infrastructure and mitigation augmentation schemes are long term in nature. Darren, uh, even if we agreed yesterday or last year on building a sanitation, uh, not a sanitation, a desalination plant, it would come on stream years later. Uh, so are other schemes. So. What is at hand, what is available to us as citizens is how we deal with water and how we conserve water use because that's within our hands. And obviously, the city is ramping up its efforts at you know, closing leaks. Uh, we're losing a lot of water on leaks. Nearly over 20% of water is lost to leaks. But these leaks happen uh, because of you know, infrastructure, and, and that's getting attention right now. Looking to the future, Lavoyo, you mentioned desalination plants. Are those realistic options going forward? Are we looking at them seriously? Yes, we are. Uh, in fact, uh, although national policy has pronounced on this uh, and that the, the, the country is not yet ready for it, there are private uh, you know, sector players who are keen to invest in this space. Um, there's a lot that's involved in terms of energy use. Uh, however, you know, the use of boreholes um, is also, uh, you know, in consideration, though it's not a long-term sustainable option. However, though, all of those are part and parcel now of us looking into the new normal, uh, augmenting our water supply sources. We know that through climate change, um, you know, life is not as we used to know it 40 years ago, Darren, me and you. So all of us need to change the way we approach and deal with natural resources. Uh, we're living in a drier planet, and we need to be very mindful of that. The approach appears to be a multifaceted coordination. Given national and provincial governments' involvement in fighting this water crisis around Nelson Mandela Bay, where does the buck, as things stand at the moment, where does the buck stop, Lavoyo? Well, um, the law is very clear on these issues. Once they, once a higher level of government intervenes, the buck moves to, to, to that higher level of government intervention. And and without passing the buck, the professor, but um, this is a collective intervention. So the city is working with the provincial government, Amatola Water Board, who are representing the minister as an agent, and we are all working together. And as I say to you, in, a, in the next few minutes, we're sitting around the table at the Joint Operations Center to work through operationally all the steps that are needed as of right now. 
Lavoya, we appreciate you joining us on Behind the Herald Headlines today. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Good luck with dealing with the crisis. I think I speak on behalf of all residents. Have a good day. Thank you. And we urge residents visit baywatersavers.co.za. That's where all credible information on the, on the drought crisis will be found. Thank you. Behind the Herald Headlines today, we're talking waterways in Nelson Mandela Bay. Day zero is imminent. And one of the unexpected results of the imminent day zero problems we face is that the ice rink at Bay West Mall has now been closed. Joining us on the line to discuss that and how it will impact on the sport in the province and in the country is Chris Dodds. He's the owner of an ice hockey team. Chris, thanks for joining us. Explain exactly what's happened and, and when did it happen and what are the reasons? Hey, Darren. Um, you know, look, it, it kind of was very sudden. Um, you know, there's always murmurs in the background of, of what's happening with the rink. Um, but we had a call from the centre last week um, saying that they'd like to have a meeting. I was unavailable on the Friday, so I managed to bump in with the manager there and he had a quick chat and basically said, you know, the rink's going to be shutting down at the end of July. And, and, and the reasons that were given for this? Well, you know, obviously the water being a big issue. Um, that's probably one of the main reasons. I mean, everyone knows there's water crisis in the Bay at the moment. And with the um, rink using over 200,000 litres of water a month, uh, that's obviously a big no-no. No chance of using recycled water or any other plan. I'm sure you've looked into these, but why is that not possible? Um, the ring actually does recycle water. Look, I'm not a fundi on how that plant runs, um, but I mean, a lot of water goes in and a lot of water goes out. And you know, ice melts, have to scrape the ice, re-prepare the ice, and then that ice falls into a bin, which then gets recycled into the tanks. But it's not enough. I think more goes in than what actually comes out. And how is the closure of the rink? going to affect the sport of ice hockey? Well, look, it's, it's sad news. You know, we've, we've had a great community over the past six, seven years. And um, I think it's going to impact the kids quite heavily. I mean, this is the second time a few of us are facing this. Our ring closed in 1997. Um, and that was obviously bad news for us then, a lot younger. And now it's happening again. You know, and we've had kids that have coming to hockey and couldn't skate and now playing on national team level. And, you know, for them, it's either need to move to another province or, you know, try to take up another sport. So it is that severe. It is the death knell of the sport in the province for now. Well, for now, it definitely is. You know, there's, there's lots, I think, that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook and a lot of public, the public especially is very angry with their enclosing um, but it's also an economic thing, and you can't really blame people. You know, if they're not doing financially well in a in a business, unfortunately, it has to go. And I think the water is a big part of it, but I think there's other factors as well. You know, uh, as sporting codes, I think we spend probably about thirty grand a month with the rink, and the electricity bill is probably over a hundred thousand rand. There's lots. There's lots to running a rink that people don't understand, and it is and it's ex- extremely expensive. Um, business to be in. I mean, there's a rink that closed in Durban that no one even knows about. You know, there were two rinks in Durban and they're now down to one. Uh, Past COVID, I think over 20 rinks closed down in the UK, you know, because of running costs. So, I mean, everyone is hurt. Everyone is emotionally attached to it. Um, But, you know, if you're not having between five and 6,000 people skating a month, I don't think you're going to be able to keep it open anyway. And on top of that, you have the water crisis, I understand. And then on top of that, we've got the water crisis. So having mentioned social media, Chris, are there any stories doing the rounds that you'd like to address in particular? Because uh, we live in an age where everyone's a journalist, but not all the stories are necessarily true. Um, 
I think people just need to understand, you know, I, I don't think um, they waste themselves or, or just wanted to shut the rink. Obviously, it's a big attraction for a lot of people. Um, you know, but unfortunately, we've got to look at it from, from a business point of view. Um, there are chats. There are people that are looking at trying to open up a rink. And, um, you know, that, that'll be fantastic. But obviously, they need a venue. And if we can get it up and running, that'll be fantastic. And we can have another rink in the province. But bearing in mind, it took 17 years to get another rink. And will this be dependent on us getting decent rainfall in this part of the woods? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, obviously, we need to get our rain back before we can put a rink in. Um, there's people saying, let's use borehole water. You know, it's if you're using between five and 10,000 litres of water a day, you know, it's you've got to transport the water to the rink, you know, and, and it's very easy to say things. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's very easy to be a critic and say, do this and do that. And could have, should have, would have, you know, it's, sure. unfortunately it is what it is. And, and, and I think that the kids are going to take it the hardest, unfortunately. So as we heard earlier, one of the casualties of the water crisis around Nelson Mandela Bay and surrounds, the fact that the ice skating rink at Bay West Mall, the only one in the province, will be closing. Sunshine Coast figure skating head coach Gina Cosavella joins us now to talk about the impact of this on figure skating in the province. Gina, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. When did you hear about the rink closing and tell us about the impact it's going to have on figure skating? So, uh, centre management brought me in to speak to me about it last Friday. Um, It was very devastating news for everyone. We've had skaters, both young and old, who have spent an immense amount of time and money to develop their sport and their passion. And unfortunately, that's all gone to waste now. We understand that circumstances are what they are, um, but it's it's devastating for everyone. We've had kids preparing for competition in November in Johannesburg, kids who have spent thousands on new skates last month even. Um, so we feel very much if we had been given a bit more of a warning, we maybe could have prepared better. Um, I mean, basically from when the club started and when the ice rink started, Chai Ice and the centre have been very supportive of figure skating. Um, and we've had a lot of support from the South African Figure Skating Association and the Nelson Mandela Bay Sports Confederation. So for a long time, we felt very supported. We've had a lot of, um, you know, just... When, when things are difficult, and they have been difficult, the rink is very far. We skate early mornings on a Saturday. I mean, we start half past six at the moment, um, and it's a very expensive sport. But we've had so much support from everyone that we really have felt like this is something that is going to last in PE. So this has come as a very sudden shock for us. Um, and it's just, you know, skating in PE is small, but it's become a family. We're lucky that we have good relationships with the hockey players as well. Um, and Max Zwane, the, the manager of uh, Bayless Ashrink, has, you know, gone out of his way to make sure that not just the figure skaters and the ice hockey players, but everyone from the Learn to Skate Academy at the Ashrink and session skaters, everyone feels the passion and feels the magic of the ice. So, for me, not having him around as well has been a big thing. Um, and it's just, it's, you know, we, kids are, are having to give up. We've got adult skaters. We've got one um, skater, Marjorie, who lives in Colchester. She drives 45 minutes every morning. She's at the rink at six, warming up, getting ready. Um, it's, you know, actually changing people's lives in such a negative way. And it's, 
you know, we, we're still grappling with getting to terms with it. But um, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And we are just so grateful to have had the opportunities that we have had and to have met the people and for our little figure skating club to become such a family. And as a coach, I've had, you know, some of the best moments and met some of the most amazing people. And all of these skaters have had such an indelible impression on our life. And uh, like, we're eternally grateful to Bay West for giving us that opportunity and for giving us the opportunity to live out our dreams, even though they are short-lived. Gina, you're obviously very, very passionate about this. Are there really no alternatives? Is this the end for now? For now, it seems like it. Um, you know, there's when we first heard the news, there were some very wild ideas coming out. Um, but realistically, even if we are able to somehow get an ash ring going, it's going to be months, it's going to be years. Um, the ideal thing, which now obviously it's too late, and again, this is where a lot of the parents are arguing, had they been more warning, we could have tried to do something. The perfect place would have been at the boardwalk. Um, you know, and everyone, you know, we could have, if, if we had known in advance, we could have maybe spoken to them, kind of tried to make something happen. Whether that would have happened or not, it's the fact that we didn't have it, the option to try and, try and get something started. I mean, that would have been the perfect thing for us. We've discussed, you know, doing inland skating, but again, it's more costs. You know, I'm a figure skating coach. I'm not an inland skating coach. I'm very different. Um, and we've, we, we're trying to explore things, but realistically, from an ushering point of view, it doesn't look like we're going to have one anytime soon. Well, it's certainly not good news for figure skaters in the eastern province. Gina Casavella, figure skating coach, thank you for joining us on Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann today. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. That was today's edition of Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann.